0: Hi, this is John Cackley with Centric Business and Tech Talks. Today I'm talking with Larry English about business strategy in today's economy. So, Larry, tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: So, I am one of the founders of Centric and the president. I would say what's unique about me as it relates to Centric is prior to starting Centric, worked in a lot of consulting models. Uh, so, publicly held, uh, private, big, small and saw a lot of how people were doing business and felt like uh, there was a way to do things better. And so it took a little time off, traveled for a year with my wife and was really trying to figure all of that out and kind of had the aha moment and uh, came back and um, we started Centric. And really the idea is you could do business in a high integrity way uh, and perform at the highest levels, but at the same time have a fun culture and enjoy the people you're working with and have, you know. Uh, Have a a great time doing it
0: at our our last big meeting the spring meeting. we talked about some redirection or re-envisioning of centric and It was I thought it was very exciting to hear about I think to me what was as exciting as The content itself. It was the fact that we thought about going through this, you know, the activity of of rethinking re-envisioning reinventing the company was something that You know, you would taken hold of and said, hey, let's do this. We weren't afraid to do it. And I think there are a lot of lessons there that people could learn, you know, whether at a company level, a department level, maybe in a personal level. And that's what I was inspired to uh, reach out to you and see if we could have this conversation. So, you know, with that in mind, for somebody, maybe, you know, somebody in your position in another company, what are the signs that you would look for to say maybe you need to reboot the business strategy, reinvent how the company works? Uh, thinks about itself?
1: The smart Alec answer is you are in business. (laughs) Um, and And what I mean by that is what is happening right now, the pace of change is accelerating. So tech innovation is basically disrupting every industry. And so I think if you are in business, I can't think of an industry that is unscathed from that. So if you aren't paranoid and actively thinking about how your business is going to have to change and adapt to the new environment, you're gonna find yourself out of business. And so, you know, when you think about, hey, are you rebooting your strategy or redoing your strategy? I think what we're getting to is one of more constant change. And so the word that I think it is emerging, the term that's emerging is business agility. And I think where that's coming from is, is, if you're a software, software developer, you've heard of agile development and revolutionized development, or like, hey, this makes a lot of sense. That is being applied to every aspect of the organization. And you're seeing it at the highest levels in terms of strategy. So in the past, you could have an industry that barriers barriers to entry were super high, didn't change very much. You could take a year to develop a strategy and it would be good for 10 or 20 years. That just doesn't exist anymore. And so you have to be constantly reevaluating your strategy and adjusting to where you think the, the market is going.
0: What would you suggest the steps are for a leadership team to go through for a reboot? And and are those sort of one-time, or do you think of these things, you know, from an agile perspective, they're they would be recurring. You know, what would those steps be? You know, how would you how would you see them directed?
1: So I think the normal strategy steps still apply. So things that people have traditionally been used to, SWOT, long-term vision, short-term steps. But I think what is different is the pace of change, the duration is compressed, and you have to have a much more agile approach to how you, you do that. And so I think as your leadership team, you've got to put in place the process and the structure to do that. And that's where you're getting into some of the business agility processes to do that. There's nothing, I don't think there's anything magical in it. It is the same stuff. But what I found is if you are in in an industry that is being disrupted, you have to have your pulse on the marketplace. You have to be paying really close attention to what are the startups that are are starting to happen that might be dangerous to a threat to my business? What are the macro level trends? You'll start to see customers asking for specific things. You're like, whoa, we don't have that offering. I need to, I need to evaluate that. It's still the same, but at an accelerated pace and probably a more agile structure would be the short way to, to summarize
0: sure. it. Sure, Larry, tell me about a couple of industries that you think are really seeing some some disruption. And it's going to be really big in the next five to ten years.
1: Sure. So let's let's take healthcare as an example, and it's fascinating because if you look out, you can see digital health and moving away from the hospital to deliver care, uh, and how tech is going to be, play such a big part. So AI and wearables, and basically moving that industry to customer choice and a retail-like experience, and you have that environment coupled with regulation and politics in a divided country about which way we should go. Right. You just don't know. You're not sure how it's going to play out. And so you're seeing gazillions of dollars being spent in really, you know, brilliant ideas that are transforming that that industry. But nobody knows how it's going to play out. And so. Figuring out how you define and execute a strategy in that environment is, you know, super hard. It's got to have kind of short term and long term, and um, you've got to be prepared for it to kind of swing in, in multiple directions. The other one that I might mention—it's almost every industry. Well, I could—I think I could make a case in every industry. Look at higher education. So mm-hmm. hugely entrenched system with tenure and. Um, how government is, is funded, student loans, and and you have all these upstarts. Uh, I was talking to a, a high, uh, an education startup, and and their goal is to be able to provide a four year degree for four thousand dollars. And so, if you if you if you apply that to the business model of existing universities, you can see there's going to be um, ma- massive fireworks when. Um, That starts and you're already starting to see some of that where you have startups that are offering to teach you to code and you don't have to pay back any of the tuition until you get a job. Right.
0: Uh, How often would you go back and look at it? Because I I mean, if you do it too frequently, I mean, you can't do it every Tuesday, right? Then you're probably you're going to give yourself and your company whiplash. But if you do it every three years, as you've said, that's already that's too too long in a cycle. So what's about right, or how would you determine that, that cycle?
1: I think it depends on the industry that you're in and uh, how quickly that industry is moving. You're in a, a, a space that is rapidly evolving, and you know people are being bought every day. It's a quarterly change. If an industry is, is not being disrupted as quickly, you can do six months. I know for our own company, we look at it every quarter, and I think we would probably say we, you know, we make changes every six months to a year.
0: Okay, and and then thinking about this from the Agile perspective, I know you've said a lot of the steps would be more or less the same as you would do in a, in a regular strategic exercise. Would you include anyone different from the company or maybe from outside the company?
1: If somebody tells you they have the answer, don't believe them because no one knows the answer. And so what I would recommend is you have the data that you need to formulate your strategy. That might involve you you having to go out and get additional insight. I would give you an example of ourselves about three years ago, you could sense that consulting was at risk of being disrupted. And as we've been talking about, you're nervous about that. And so what are you going to do about it? And so one of the things we did is we thought through probably eight to 10 areas where we thought we could either be disrupted or it could be an offensive strategy for us. And then we went and we used Gartner to validate is, do you guys agree? Are you seeing the same things? What are we missing? And there were a couple of things that we did not have on our radar that we added because of that outside perspective.
0: Great. So that was my next question of using external advisors. So obviously Gartner is, they're, they're always a valuable resource uh looking at these things would you look at any other external advisors you know consultants hiring a consultant in this case or you know, maybe referring to some of our clients our customers or you know why or why not would you look at external resources for that
1: you know i think it's pretty simple if you do not have the expertise you need to formulate your strategy in-house you need to go supplement it
0: okay and how about using clients and I'm trying to make a distinction here, not necessarily what Centric uh, would yeah, do, sure. but in another company, you know, in a, in a either hypothetical company or from Centric, however you'd prefer to look at it. Do you see value in playing around with a strategy with a sort of a advisory board or sounding board of clients?
1: We do that. And I've seen, I've seen it used in a number of ways. The, the short answer is yes, incredibly valuable. I think you have to structure it in the way that is you know most impactful to you and so it can be rather informal so the way that we do it is let's say we're looking at a specific idea new business line a way that we're going to change our business model we'll we'll look at it go who are the right clients that would benefit from this or might benefit or might be interested and then we'll uh, spend some time with them and ask, you know, for their advice and reaction to. Is this something interesting? Would, would you buy this? Would you? And they'll. And so often they'll say, you know, that's a good idea, but what I really need is this. And so, you know, it, it's super important that you have that input.
0: All right. How deep do you think it could go? You know, from a from an agility standpoint, when you look at something, do you say there are certain things that are sort of off limits simply because they if you touched on certain things, then you wouldn't be in the same business or you wouldn't be running the same company?
1: It depends on the industry that you're in and your business model. So if you're you're looking out and you're looking at the way the trends are headed, what we try to do is you would take that and you would apply that to your business model. So you say, here's where it looks like things are headed. What are the implications to my existing business model? And if you're like, hey, we're going to be out of business, then you know you need to uh, be quickly developing strategies to either take advantage of that or enter a new business line or uh, change what you're doing. And so does that answer your question?
0: Yeah, it does. It's funny, I was having a conversation the other day with my wife, don't ask me why we were discussing business strategy. We're talking about Blockbuster Video. <laughs> you know, there's one Blockbuster Video store left in the world, it's in Bend, Oregon. And when Netflix was starting to roll up Blockbuster saw it coming and they sort of tried to duplicate what Netflix did, but they never got prepared for streaming. Because streaming is both what made Netflix profitable, but also ended up killing video stores. And Blockbuster, of course, looking backwards, said, Well, you know, we have this investment in these stores and our I don't know if they were a franchise model or store owned, but they couldn't get away from their past because it was too much of a change. And then you know,
1: absolutely.
0: And what they're left with is one store in Bend, Oregon. Um, Nice place, but you know they used to have what, 3,000 stores, something like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. A great example I use is Kodak, and they actually invented the digital camera. And I think I don't remember the exact numbers, but let's say 1995 they had 120,000 employees and Mm -hmm. 22 billion in revenue, and then you know 20 years later they're out of business. And so I see this all the time, and it is. It is essentially the innovator's dilemma. So you have this, you know, massive infrastructure, all of business theory from the last 50 years was you optimize for profit and you, um, you you know, failure is bad. You get it out of your business. And the whole premise around innovation is you have to allocate part of your R&D spend to be trying new ideas and to, to have a culture of innovation trying new business lines try you know paying close attention doing acquisitions so that you're staying relevant in the marketplace because what happens is i see it all the time is clients do not they don't try to address it and they they're afraid and and what happens is it's kind of the frog not jumping out of the boiling pot kind of <laughs> right. scenario is that it gets to that tipping point and then they're done and so that's what you saw with Blockbuster, they they did not act fast enough. It got to the point where they just they couldn't play catch up. There's so many stories now, uberization of the taxi industry. I mean, you can go on and on. And so that's why it's why it's so important what we're, what we're talking about that business agility is. You need to be looking out into you know into the future let's say 1 to 3 years and it's not, it's not that hard if you're paying if you have your pulse on the marketplace of the of where the industry that you're in it's, it becomes very obvious where things are generally headed mm-hmm. and you need to be anticipating that and saying okay How's this going to affect our business model if this one uh, turns out to be true? How does it affect our business model if this one, okay, if this one turns out to be true, is there a way that we can leverage our strengths to play in this marketplace? And then you start to say, okay, these are the highest priority ones. Um, These are the ones that we think are most likely to happen. And then uh, you start doing small bets, small tests, small hypothesis to say, okay, we think there's something here. Let's, you know, we're going to buy this small startup that's playing in this space, or we're going to start our own internal startup with the hopes of spinning it out or adopting it to a new business line. And then you start executing that way.
0: Right, yeah, I think that's a great point there of of just looking at the at the visioning, looking at what at the trends are. So a lot of times, I mean, it's it's tempting watching CNBC or, or take your pick of resources of oh, wow, this strategy is such a, a miracle or a, or business trends are so mysterious, but a lot of times they're pretty obvious. Uh, what, like whatever it was now, 15 years ago or so, I was working with Microsoft, and at the time, first of all, 90% of Microsoft's revenue was either Office or Windows, and they were dead afraid of Google. You know, Google coming in and saying, you don't need to use Office apps or you don't need Windows, you know, with a Chromebook or any number of other things. We're going to put everything on the web. You don't need things on your PC. And you know, it was obvious to those of us who were sitting around doing consulting in the in those offices. Obviously, Microsoft saw it too. And where what have they done? You know, Office 365, various reinventions with Windows. And they're stronger now probably than they've ever been because they they looked forward at it and and they they met that. I mean they it helped that they were working from a near monopoly situation. <laughs> but, they, but they could have lost it, right? I mean you talk about Kodak, right? I mean Kodak didn't have a monopoly on on film, but I mean they were the brand, right? I mean actually if you go far enough back they did have a monopoly on film, but that's 100 years ago. Are there any risks about trying to look forward and and reinvent or redesign a strategy?
1: Well, uh, of course, uh you could I just being wrong. <laughs> Well, that's the, the most obvious one, right? <laughs> um, you know, I think a lot of times, and this gets to your point before about Blockbuster, is a lot of times companies see trying new things. Uh, they're like, well, what if I fail? You know, I'm taking this risk, I'm going to fail. And the reality is you're, you're taking risk by not doing anything. And Because I, I look at almost every industry and the way it is today is very clearly how it's not going to be in the future. And so if you're if you're sitting on the sidelines, uh, you're you're you know you're going to be out of business. Um, and the numbers kind of back that idea up. So you know there are ways to mitigate your risk. And um, I think the the body of knowledge of how you execute innovation, say. Uh, like the startup way, that, um, there's a no, there's t- tons of ways that you can do it, uh, but it's becoming much more a, a science so that you can take calculated risk and do it in a way so that you're proceeding down a path that is viable and you're you're doing it the most um, you know efficient way if that makes sense.
0: Sure. So, is there a risk possibly of being too far out ahead of Oh, absolutely! I, I, oh, wasn't thinking ha- of, I was in trucking, uh, doing technology for trucking companies, and it was 20 years ago. I was like, hey, you know, we should be able to track the trucks. And I'm like, no, 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 we don't want to track the trucks. It's too expensive. Or, or, or rail cars. I want to track rail cars. Well, I think they're getting to that more and more now. <laughs> you know, it's been 20 years, and it's still not universal. Um, I don't know if you'd done it then, what the impact would have been. Would it have been wasted money? Or would it have pushed everything along? Uh, I don't know, but it seems like that's always a risk too. You know, you get a little, are you, are you the beta, beta max? For sure.
1: <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. So I, I do uh, quite a bit of angel investing. If you look historically, there are thousands of examples of an idea that was absolutely dead on and it was five or 10 years ahead of its time. And, you know, that idea, the startup, Crashes and burns. It was completely the right idea, and if they would have done it five years later, they would have killed it, um, yeah. kind of thing. And so, you know, absolutely. But that goes back to what we were talking about before, which is you might say, you know, this is absolutely the way the industry's headed. We need to be playing in this space. If you follow kind of a uh, methodical process for how you're trying to enter that marketplace, you don't overspend because what'll happen is. If you if if something stalls out all of a sudden and you're just not getting traction anymore, you kill it. You might put it on the shelf, and say, okay, you know, we're going to keep the IP, we're going to keep whatever the situation is, and then you bring it back out when the timing is right in the marketplace. So you don't you don't spend a gazillion dollars chasing something that ends up just being too soon.
0: Right. Yeah. Great example. I've read a book. Book came out in the last year or two. Uh, the author was head of research and development for General Motors. And the book was about electric cars, autonomous cars, and so on, and talked about how General Motors had invented electric cars and very much similar architecture to what Tesla has today, but both because GM had too much of an invested uh, sort of sunk cost in the old model of making cars, but also because the batteries weren't quite where they needed to be. They couldn't make the car. They they weren't ready. The market wasn't ready or the technology wasn't to be ready for for the product to be good. And so they ditched it, but they didn't really keep it around they, they they lost their investment they didn't uh you mm. know maintain it so they were ready to jump back in so in that case i'd say they didn't quite catch up they didn't they didn't position themselves so they could jump in seamlessly because they're they're still thinking you know the, of an old paradigm absolutely so uh just thinking you know business agility you know lessons that you've learned what other lessons or suggestions do you have for people running small medium large businesses any any big things that came out and you went wow I didn't know this when you started
1: so I would say this ended up flowing into a conversation a little bit about innovation and applying innovation it is a completely different mindset and discipline that you have to learn and you have to build as an organization and it is hard and so you know the sooner organizations can get started, and there's multiple ways to apply innovation to your company. There's like multiple approaches that you can take. The sooner you get started doing that, and it has to come from the top down to really be successful, the sooner you get started on that, the you're going to mitigate your risk of going out of
0: business. I've got another interview uh, set up with Brian Store, who's working on our innovation team. I'm not sure what we're calling it. Incentric, uh, and, and the next subject of our next discussion is is efficiency the enemy of innovation. That is, if you're trying so hard to make your company efficient, you already touched on this a little bit. Of you know, you're trying to optimize your company. Do you squeeze out or block out a culture of innovation? Uh, what, what do you think about that?
1: hundred uh, <laughs> percent. Great. There's a, a lot of funny jokes about that, but uh, basically. Organizations are basically like white blood cells of killing innovation. <laughs> so <laughs> they okay. they stamp it out and just inherently. And so it's funny because you people have put an org chart up uh, of uh, an organization that's trying to do innovation, and it's like VP of No, <laughs> <V-O>. <laughs> uh, because there it was the conversation we we're having before. So it's it, Lean Six Sigma. You are trying to have, what is it, one defect in a million or whatever? I don't know the, the that exact That sounds
0: idea. about right, yeah.
1: So the exact math, whereas the analogy that I like to use is if, if you're on offense, think about Ted Williams, who was the best hitter ever in baseball. And what was that? It was, did he bat, I don't even know, 400?
0: He um, well, batted 400 one year. I think his career average is about 340. So there you go. So
1: he, he failed six or seven times he went to the bat. Mm-hmm. 60 or 70 times uh, percent. Out of 100, bat. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, apply that to innovation. And all of a sudden, you have this organization (laughs) that's trying to maximize profitability. And you've got somebody over there say, you know what, I'm going to fail 70% of the time. Are you you good with that? They just can't grasp that. Um, There's been tons of books written about tons of theory about how you apply that in an organization. And that's what we're getting to. It has to come from the top down. You have to allow it to thrive. There's different ways that you can do that. But overcoming that natural tendency of an organization to allow innovation to coexist is super hard. And it is, you know, I think it is the challenge of our time.
0: This has been Centrix Biz and Tech Talks. Thanks to Larry English for joining me and thank you for listening.